0: Our poems. I want everyone and this is kids and adults alike to think about thank you, Macaulay. To think for a moment about Jesus. Think about the stories that you've heard about him in this church or your churches of your. Take this brief moment and just get an idea of who Jesus was. How would you describe him? And think of specific adjectives describing Jesus as you have encountered him in the scriptures, in community with other Jesus followers. What are the primary adjectives that you would use to describe who Jesus was, what kind of person he was? And now, I want you to call them out. What are some of those adjectives that you would use to describe Jesus? Compassionate. What's that? Compassionate. Compassionate. Radical. Radical. Stark. Clear. 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 Joyful. Joyful and teacher. Reformer. Reformer. Suffering servant. Suffering servant. Incarnated, passionate, passionate. present, present. Faithful. faithful. How about from the kids? Do we have any adjectives from the kids? What, what words would you use to describe Jesus? Anybody have anything to add? I didn't hear funny. So if we were writing, okay, this is just about to get, uh, oh, what's the word? I don't know. If we were to write an OK Cupid or Tinder profile for Jesus, <laughs> would good sense of humor make the list? Satirist. Most of us are familiar with the Palm Sunday story and the whole drill. We know how to sing those anthemic rising choruses, Hosanna, Laud, Hosanna, and All-Glory, Laud, and Honor. We know how to wave our palm branches, which you can do at any time. That's why I'm giving them to you early, so you can wave them anytime you want to. We know how to wave them, or at least we know how to watch the kids wave them and then maybe avert our eyes when they're passing out palms, lest we have to actually move in church. <laughs> we know the whole poem processional drill but what if the whole thing was a joke what if it was a bit of sketch comedy what if jesus is a jokester what if he's a comedian what if he's a clown what if he is a master of satire what if jesus is funny John Dominic Crossan and the late Marcus Borg wrote a little book about the passion called The Last Week, and in it they claimed that the original poem, Processional, what we now majestically call the triumphal entry, was not spontaneous, but was in fact carefully staged, and that it was carefully staged in particular to be a joke, a bit of political street theater, a parody of kingship, and a deliberate mockery of the imperial culture of Rome. And Ched Meyer says essentially the same thing in his fabulous book about Mark's gospel, Binding the Strong Man. And they all make a really good case. Did you know that Jesus' procession into Jerusalem was not the only procession into Jerusalem that was happening just before the Passover? There was a procession happening on the other side of the city. Every year for Passover, the Roman governor of Judea, Pontius Pilate, processed east from his coastal residence on the western through the western gate of Jerusalem and he did so upon the back of a stallion accompanied by a large entourage all to show off his power and his wealth and to remind the Hebrew pilgrims who flooded Jerusalem for the festival who was boss Rome Rome was boss and Pilate had a big annual processional to prove it after all the hebrew people were living under occupation and the last thing that you would want during the festival when all these pilgrims were flooding into the city the last thing you would want when that population of jerusalem would grow exponentially the last thing you would want was some kind of uprising or revolution for all these pilgrims to get some idea in their head that they might have power. Like Panem in the Hunger Games, anybody Hunger Games fans? Rome was deeply invested in keeping the districts pacified. And a big, bad procession proclaimed and bolstered the message of Rome's might and made sure to pacify any possible dissent that might be simmering among the people. Just... Look what they could do to us if we dare speak up, organize revolt. That would be the message the pilgrims got, right? Better not do anything bad here. Meanwhile, on the other side of the city, at the same time, moving westward toward the eastern gate of Jerusalem, was Jesus and his merry band of followers. But first, Jesus needed an ass to ride, and not even a grown up ass. But the baby colt of an ass. Yes, I just said that three times in church. (laughs) Are we starting to get the joke yet? Then he needed an entourage. The crowds gathered around and waved palms. A typical gesture for pilgrims who were arriving in Jerusalem. But they also laid out their cloaks, which seems really strange to us, except that it was a typical gesture for royalty arriving in Jerusalem. Books were valuable, so when royalty came, you laid them out. Now, this is an aside, but it does make me wonder if before there was ever a Palm Sunday, there was a Coat Sunday. But it just never caught on, because too many people got whacked by zippers and buttons. (laughs) Yeah, we won't be waving our coats. We will be waving our palms. But now we've got the ingredients in place for some really great political comedy and kids, this, this is the point at which I'm going to describe these two different kinds of parades. And really, I've already been doing that, but here it is in really short form. So there was a stallion, so really big horse, right? Powerful, big horse on one side of the city. And on the other side of the city, a baby donkey. Okay, you got that? Big, powerful, beautiful horse and a baby donkey. You've got... An imperial ruler on one side of town. So kind of like a king. Pretty powerful, pretty rich guy on one side of town. And an itinerant rabbi on the other side of town. Now what that means is that he was like a teacher. Kind of like a, like a pastor, preacher, teacher. And itinerant means that he just walked around. So he didn't even have, he didn't have a big palace. He didn't have a home. He just walked all the places that he went. All right, so you've got the big bad horse. And the little baby donkey. Got it, kids? Then you've got the king, powerful, wealthy king. And then you've got the roving preacher. And then you've got cloaks waved for royalty on one side of town. And cloaks waved for a preacher on the other side of town. So you've got this procession and parade that's full of pomp and power on one side. And on the other side, we've got what I'm going to call a procession of the ridiculous. It's a little bit ridiculous, right? The baby donkey and the preacher. So all we would need to make the scene complete is one of John Stewart's correspondents, masters of political satire, to mockingly interview Pontius Pilate, and he doesn't get it for a while, and then he starts to realize he's being mocked and then rips off his mic and storms off the set. That's all we would need to make this whole thing complete. Now, I'm indebted to another writer, Debbie Thomas, for the phrase, procession of the ridiculous. And it makes me think a little bit of our public actions and some of the public actions that I've been part of with some of you in this room over the last couple of years, and hopefully many more to come. Makes me think of public actions I've been involved in long before there was a Good Friday Walk for Justice in Chicago that happened every year that was hundreds of people, and we were parading around the loop to the Board of Trade and the Federal Building, all the powerhouses in downtown Chicago, drumming and doing some political theater, street theater, and singing and praying and looking a little bit ridiculous amidst business folks and tourists who typically dominate the loop. In Chicago. It makes me think of an ocean of us in our pink kitty hats. I think that's what the news sources called them to be. (laughs) Circumspect. It makes me think of the Christian and Jewish anti-racist organizers flipping over tables at Howard S. Wright, which we will do again tomorrow. It makes me think of procession of the ridiculous that I've been part of with many of you. As Borg and Crossen write of that first procession of the ridiculous, what we often call the triumphal entry was actually an anti-imperial, anti-triumphal entry, a deliberate lampoon of the conquering emperor. Entering a city on horseback through the gates opened in abject submission. So that was Pilate, right? And that cult echoed the prophet Zechariah, who wrote Shout aloud, daughter of Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious as he, humble and riding upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. He will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. He shall command peace to the nations. For those with eyes to see and ears to hear this anti-triumphal entry pointed toward a new kind of king, an upside-down, topsy-turvy kind of king, full of humility, a bringer of peace, riding not just a donkey, but a baby donkey. Jesus then enacts the role of a coming king, but profoundly reinterprets it. He's not coming with military power. He's coming to overthrow evil through... Nonviolence and sacrifice. And it raises the question did everyone get the joke? Did everyone perceive Jesus' comedic prowess in that moment? Did anyone get it at all? The crowds gathered around proclaiming the coming kingdom of our ancestor David, they were ready for revolution. But it's uncertain whether or not they were ready for revolutionary, satirical, political theater. They were ready for a triumphant messiah to come and victoriously overthrow the imperial powers by any means necessary, but they may or may not have been ready for what they got, which was a parade of misfits, a comic donkey ride, a dangerous joke. Like all good comedians, Jesus understood that comedy is actually quite serious business because good comedy... There's a lot of bad comedy out there. But good comedy dares to tell the truth. Good comedy points at truths that are difficult, risky, or even dangerous to confront. And truths that make us uncomfortable and squirm a bit. Truths that reveal something we may prefer not be revealed. I think of... um, Tignataro's legendary stand-up routine about her cancer diagnosis. Have any of you ever heard Tignataro's cancer set? It is astounding and worth Googling. Or Louis C.K. on any number of topics, although the one that pierces me, or the one that I recall these years later after watching it the first time, was about our addiction to our cell phones. Um, And he talks about being in traffic and needing to look at our cell phones and, and our profound existential loneliness that's tied up in that. That's another one worth looking up if you haven't seen that one. Good comedy dares to tell the truth. And Jesus got that. It's why I'd make sure if we were writing a Tinder profile for Jesus that funny would make the list. The kind of funny that makes you both laugh And squirm a little bit. Isn't it interesting that that first crowd probably didn't get it at all? Or many of them. Waving their palms and cloaks and maybe missing the joke. It's hard to tell how many of them might have gotten it and how many didn't. And yet, we reenact their misguidedness every year. With our palms and our hosannas and our glories, lauds, and honors. A bit strange, I think, that we reenact a misguided crowd. But perhaps appropriate, given how much we still don't get it. How much we still need to be redeemed. How much we need to be liberated from our false notions and misguided hopes. How much we need to turn again toward the one who rides a baby ass into the heart of an empire. How much we need to turn again toward the great comedian who's... Very funny, very serious joke still applies to our contemporary love affair with imperial power. It's a bit strange that we reenact this misguided crowd, but I think perhaps appropriate given how much we still need to join the procession of the ridiculous. We need to get a little more ridiculous. (laughs) Ted Myers writes that Palm Sunday needs to be undomesticated and its symbols recontextualized, and that our witness needs to return to the public square. Which takes me back to those public square liturgies that I've shared with many of you over the past couple of years. The Martin Luther King March. Actions with The water protectors in solidarity with the water protectors at Standing Rock against the North Dakota Access Pipeline at Wells Fargo and other places. Black Lives Matter actions. Illicitly shared sandwiches in Pioneer Square last Good Friday. They tried to shut us down and tell us we couldn't share sandwiches. The Women's March. Showing up for immigrants and refugees at the Northwest Detention Center. And I hope there will be many more public liturgies that we share with one another, undomesticating and recontextualizing Palm Sunday and what it was. And yes, that procession of the ridiculous, known as the Holy Table Turning Monday, which happens again tomorrow and you're all invited to that, It will acquaint one corporation of power in our city with our overturned table prayers with our very funny, very serious street theater jokes. And it will confront that one corporation of power with our Lord, the great comedic Christ himself. The procession of the ridiculous continues. It continues to expose truths that need exposing. It continues to subvert powers that need subverting. It continues to shout, Hosanna! And blessed be for a Christ who comes on the colt of a donkey, for a Christ who comes bringing peace. And so, will you join it? Will you join the procession of the ridiculous? Yeah, we want to, right? I mean, it seems like the yes is the, the answer to follow. And yet, <laughs> yes, I got a yes. Look at that, Mennonites. Do remember that this week's procession ends with state-sponsored execution. Do remember that. Crucifixion, it may be argued, is neither the high point nor the low point of this whole passion story. It is simply the inevitability of the procession of the ridiculous. It's just where that story is going to go. So, it is not a procession to join lightly. But it does promise to be funny and serious. It does promise to be joyous and sorrowful. And all the while life-giving in the most difficult, most rewarding way possible. So may we always be ridiculous in the face of the empirical powers around us. May it be so. With that, we're going to sing. This felt like it was moving towards song rather than silence. And we're going to have time during our prayers to actually have a bit of pondering silence. So I'm going to invite you to join me in singing. We're going to stand in body or in spirit, singing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Perhaps trying to bolster our own sense of courage to step into the procession of the ridiculous. And... Uh, Kids and adults alike, this is a great time if you want to move in church. Lord have mercy. Move your bodies. Wave your hands. This would be a great time to wave those palms. Let's sing together.